in three, two, one. John, are we live? We're live, sir. Um, hey, guys. Welcome to Wheelhouse. We uh, were laughing a little bit before we came on air. John was busting my chops. I'm going to give it back to him on air, though, <laughs> so all of you can see. Got any uh-huh. shout-outs for us? Because I'm excited. I got my good buddy Ryan Foley in studio today, and uh, him and I could probably chat for hours upon oh, hours. Oh, hours. But hours. I want to get him back to the suburbs within reasonable time. So Fair let's enough. hear it. One-up me. Well, I, you have to give me yours first so I can one-up you. Oh, I've already kind of told you what mine's going to be. And? So, okay, my shout-out is to Matt Rosen. Last week we had an incredible guest, Tony, on uh, from Neighborhood Loans after the show and shout out to Tony as well. So I got two shout outs, top that. Um, I got a lot of people that reached out to me and said they love the episode that Tony taught them a lot. He was very motivational. So shout out to him for coming on. I watched it back like I do a lot of the shows and I mm-hmm. took a lot of clips um, and just rewatched them and learned stuff from Tony again. Because sometimes when I'm on the show, I'm involved in asking questions and kind of talking to our guests. Sure. And I don't sometimes appreciate being able to go back and actually benefit from everything they're teaching. So shout out to him. But Matt Rosen, who works at Neighborhood Loans, is personally doing a lot of work for me right now really, really quickly. Um, And a lot of times I send my clients to Matt and he takes great care of my clients. But when I'm his client now and I really watch how much effort he puts into everything, um, big shout out to him. So thank you to Matt. He's a um, viewer of the show Mm -hmm. almost every single week. So shout outs to you, buddy. Very good. Wow. Impressive. Like and here it. you go with a no. uh, really oh, sensitive now. topic well, or story. Yeah, sort of. uh, to two shout outs. One real quick. Also a past guest, uh, Sean Jacob at Yuga 2.0. Uh, I stopped over there today to run a couple ideas past him and see his place and really sharp. Yeah. Um, there, were, there were two classes going on, so I didn't get to see... Um, where everybody does the yoga, but just he showed me the locker rooms and just the the entryway and the he was talking. He wanted it to be a place where people can just hang out, and boy, nailed it! It was really cool. When you said you were going to yoga 2.0 at noon, I thought you were going to do a class when you texted. No, me. I I want to, I want to, but not today. I didn't. Cool. Um, yeah, I've seen people tagged at Sean's place a ton. It's you know once you meet somebody or you have them on the show, you're kind of heightened to everything they do. Of course. So I see a lot of people on social media tagging themselves at Yoga 2.0, and I've seen some photos. Right. I got to stop by there. It does look like it's a yoga studio at a very elegant and uh, very high level. It does. It has a, a spa-like feel to it. Yeah. it. It's not just a sweat box. It's really very very sharp. They did a nice job. Cool. Yep. Uh, second, this is not somebody that I know, and actually it's not to a particular person. Uh, I did see on the news today, and here we go with the sensitive. <laughs> no, you have great shout-outs. I'm busting your balls. They're always good, but they always one-up me. Well, uh, so there was an Army veteran uh, who passed away. Edward Carl Pearson lives down in Naples, Florida, and... He, he didn't have any, he does not or did not have any family to attend his services. And Marco Rubio, uh, senator in Florida, and several other people uh, put out tweets about this man's service and such and when and where the service was going to be. And almost 2,000 people wow. showed up wow. just to pay their respects. It was insane. It was 
in a great way, insane in a great way. So shout out to people taking time out of their day, out of their lives to go pay respects for somebody who served the country and and uh, is no longer with us. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Yep. Um, sometimes you look at social media and the power of good it does in mm-hmm. things like this. You know, a lot of times people poo-poo social media, but being able to get the word out quickly for a cool cause like this Absolutely. and a great cause is, Absolutely. is awesome. Absolutely. So. Those are my shout outs. That's all I got. Sorry, Matt Rosen. You just got one off really (laughs) hard there, buddy. Anyways, uh, my only guest, I was going to say my first guest, but my only guest today is Ryan Foley. He's the founder of Spyglass Inspections. He's the founder of CBA Property Management. A lot of you watching um, on Facebook or YouTube right now who are realtors or in the business have probably used Ryan because in my opinion, he is the best of the best property inspector in Chicago. Thanks, Mo. Well, I've only actually used one in Chicago. I'll, I'll call you the best <laughs> of the best ever anywhere. I appreciate it, buddy. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Um, tell me, and I actually don't know this about you because we're friends, but I don't know this. When did you start Spyglass? Spyglass is about 15 years old now. Okay. Yeah. Why did you sp- start Spyglass? And I don't know that either. It's interesting because I have been in the construction world for about 17 years. And back when I was doing a bunch of flips, I was meeting a lot of agents along the road and they were asking me if I did inspections. And to be quite honest, I was having so many people ask me that question. I'm like, I got to look into this because I'm passing up on uh, opportunities. So that's basically agents got me into the inspection field, to be honest. That's really cool. And you started 17 or 15 years ago. So you've seen a really hot market, then you've seen kind of a crappy market, and then now we're in a hot market now. How has Spyglass kind of evolved itself from early days with, I was guessing it was just probably you and a notepad? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we've we've read uh, a lot of roller coaster rides, right? Like you said, the hot market, the slow markets. But, um, you know, now uh, just... Social media has been a huge thing for us and uh, growing. And we now have myself and three other inspectors. Uh, Those inspectors are all firemen um, through the city of Chicago all the way out to Waukegan. Um, But uh, yeah, it's been it's been a crazy ride. And starting off when you were just using a notepad and, you know, taking a couple pictures here to um, full blown inspections reports that are sent out the same day to, you know, I mean, there's so many different video things that we put in the report. So yeah, it's just evolved. So strange, right? To see where it's at today. And I'm going to ask you to almost toot your own horn here, but what, and you're very popular as an inspector. I use you virtually almost exclusively if I can if I can get you in. And your team is fantastic now. So Thank you. I, I know a lot of times everybody wants Ryan Foley. Yes. And I would tell a lot of you, because I've had the benefit of working with your team now, yep. um, you've done a very good job of training them to be very Ryan Foley-esque. And I know some stuff that I really like when you're at inspections. Sure. But what do you think sets aside you as an inspector that's constantly requested versus somebody who might not be getting requested quite as much as you do well i think the big thing is our extensive background of construction right so it wasn't like we just went and took a test and okay now i'm licensed right we have a huge background in construction so that benefits us in many facets of how we explain our information to everybody right so 
you could be new to the field and see a crack beam and you're like, oh my gosh, you need a structural engineer, all this stuff. We can walk you through that process that number one, you're not making a huge deal about a small topic that can be fixed. You're not calling in a structural engineer paying another $800 for that guy to come in. So I would say, you know, the biggest thing for us is the heavy construction background. And even the firemen that do inspections for us, um, they all come from a construction background as well. So not only construction, but fire safety, which is great. Yeah. You know, what I was going to say, I think as a realtor really matters to me a lot is you're so good at managing the message. And I would, if another inspector is watching, I would say a lot of times, and, and we've had inspections that just, they're, the houses are bad. And we're like, hey, just that's it. Just, right. This is not going to work. But you're also good at saying, hey, listen, this is a problem, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean you don't need to buy this house. Correct. There's things you got to do to make sure that this problem goes away. And you kind of lay that out for people. Absolutely. And it gives them comfort to know not every house is perfect. Mm -hmm. Even new construction homes have a handful. Of, oh, we almost had a perfect one, which wasn't new construction recently. <laughs> but even a new construction home has problems. It's just what do you do to address it? And you're very calming in that sense. So what a homeowner is looking for when they come into an inspection is you're the person with the eyes and the ears and the tools to give them the health. Right. And you're able to do that and make them comfortable about purchasing the home. And that's huge, right? Because, you know, one of our first questions when the client or your client for that matter comes up is how you doing today, right? And let's just start off because half the time they're nervous as all get out. And yep. I'm like, relax, this is supposed to be fun, right? Like, and I get it because this is what we do on a regular basis, but take a deep breath. We're going to get through this together and rest assured we are going to come across issues, but yeah. let's talk about it. How are we going to fix it? How are we going to make it better? And, you know, that is just starting off right away with your client, or my client is putting them at ease. It's the biggest investment of their life. Of course, they're going to be nervous, especially if it's a first time buyer. And you got to set that tone with them. Like, relax, this is going to be, this is going to be a good time, right? Yeah. And the first time realtors or early realtors too. Yeah. I see that a lot. I mean, coaching and training realtors, they're nervous a lot of times at the beginning. And I think, and I, I know this about you because a lot of my first time realtors will say, Hey, do you have an inspector I should use? I might give Ryan a call and you've done a good job of walking them through it and making them calm because Absolutely. if they're calm, they're going to show their level of calmness in front of their client. Absolutely. Because if they're not calm, their clients can pick up on it right. right away. Yeah, it's huge, right? And so us, uh, how I train my guys is we're the ones that are going to set the tone and it's going to be a calming tone and it's going to be a good experience. And, you know, it's if you come across major problems or minor problems, it's still the delivery, right? It's still a problem. It needs to be talked about. Yeah. And you're fat for, for those realtors. Ryan's quick. Which is good, but you're thorough and quick. I've seen quick and people miss stuff because I've had the benefit of going on so many inspections now in my career. I know what should be looked at. And sometimes I go on inspections where somebody's like, hey, I've got to use this person. Or I'm on a listing because I show up at a lot of my listing inspections. Sure. This person's just zipping through, but they're missing stuff left, right, and center. Right. It just seems like, and I think it goes back to your construction background, that you know what to look for. You know what it takes to test that. And once you've tested that, you can move on to the next thing. And it's huge, right? The construction in, I've been doing it for 15 years. And not to be a jerk, but you either know what you're looking at or you don't. And, yeah. you know, you 
move on and you see and you're seeing this stuff on a regular basis too that okay we got an issue let's talk about it yeah let's move on now for and i get this question a lot and i'm sure realtors do and even homeowners do so if somebody owns their home and they're thinking about getting ready to list it yes they know that 999,000 999 people out of a million are going to get an inspection. Yes. It's rare that somebody says, you know, they may say I'm going to do it as is, but almost nobody says, forget my inspection. Sure. What are things, easy things that you think a homeowner can do or look at to get a home ready to get listed mm -hmm. that you find that pops up a lot, but it's a simple fix? Man, the easiest things, GFI outlets, right? How many times we talk about this and you have to... What's a GFI, GFCI outlet, by the way? Stands for Ground Fault Circuit Interrupter. Basically, it's, you all know what they are, the little reset buttons you see in your bathrooms and kitchens. Basically, you need it wherever it can come in contact with water. Kitchens, bathrooms, exteriors, garages, right? They're easy fixes, $20 fixes, right? But if you start going through a whole entire house and that's the same thing that keeps on coming up, GFI outlet, I have to explain to the client what it means and you can get electrocuted. Well, that starts to freak them out when it's yeah. such an easy fix. Obviously, we deliver it with, it's a $20 fix, you know, not a big deal, but that, loose toilets, yeah, broken window seals, I would say those are like some of the three top big ones that you can get ahead of the game. I don't expect a client of yours that's going to list their house to get up in an attic to be able to tell if there's a yeah, cracked sure. beam or, you know, uh, uh, rafter spread or things of that nature. But just typical things. And also we send out to the not only the buyer's agent, but the listing agent on tips to have the house ready for when we yeah. show up is access to the electrical panel, the furnace, you know, all of those things just makes everything that much smoother during their, that transition. So we're not moving a bunch of stuff around or for that matter, we can't get to it. So if we can't get to an attic, we can't get to an attic. And then that's not putting anybody's ease. You no. know, the client will be right away is, well, what does it mean you can't get to the attic? Well, right. I can't check out structure, insulation, ventilation, mold. if there's any mold, you know, the big M word. Yeah, <laughs> which I've realized recently, and I had more mold than I can yep. even stomach in my attic, and I got it fixed. It's, it, here's it, the thing. it doesn't tumble my house to the ground. Right. It's, it's delivery, right? Right. I mean, you come to, oh my gosh, you got mold. Oh, no, it's, there's mold everywhere. It's yeah. fixable. Right. And we come down and we tell them the EPA guidelines on how to fix it and move so, on. It's, it's the seller's problem now, right? But it's, the good thing is, is it's fixable. One of my favorite real estate stories was me and an inspector, and I was on the listing side getting into a, like a serious argument. Sure. He was like shouting at me, and it was over actually a GFCI outlet. And the buyer had a kid that was, I don't know, four or five years old, and we get to the kitchen. It was the first GFCI outlet that wasn't proper and he goes and this is a shock hazard your kid can put his finger in here or can put his finger near here and he can get shocked and he could get killed oh jeez. and i'm just like whoa, whoa easy grim reaper easy, buddy. <laughs> and i was like uh you don't need to scare him it's a 20 dollars fix we'll have it taken care of if my client does not do it right and he goes i'm not scaring him I'm, I'm i'm talking about the the safety risk and i'm like you're trying to freak them out right i've done enough of these and he goes don't tell me how to do my job i'm like i'm not I'm just trying to explain to them, sure. that we'll fix it and it's 20 bucks. It's easy. And it was like that message delivery where I was like, you're just trying to mess this deal up so they'll go get another house and then you get a second inspection, which I see happen from time to time.
you know, I call them deal killer inspectors, and that's kind of the term of art for them. And it sucks because the homeowner most of the time does not know anything about this sort of stuff. Right. So they're relying on you for that information. And if you tell them that your kid can get killed and you point at the kid that's standing there, <laughs> that's shitty. It's very shitty. And I'm like, baby Jimmy is not going to put his finger in there. Right. We'll fix it. Relax. It's it's crazy. And I've heard many of stories from you, right? And yeah. obviously not mentioning names, but some it sounds like some companies do do that to get yeah. the, the rebound, if you will. Mm-hmm. That's a couple of the big companies. I see that happen. Yeah. I won't name them. No. Um, I'm sure somebody is watching that uses the big companies, and then they will forward this to the big companies, and they'll be mad at me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think managing the message is important. How about, uh, this is one thing I always recommend, is change your furnace filter if you have one. Because when somebody easy. walks in and it's a mess, the mindset is, well, they're not taking care of it. Right. That I meant, and we send out stuff to uh, our agents of you know top nine things to get ready for your home inspection. Just getting that cleaned all together, right? So yeah. it's a clean furnace. Even if you come down, right? If you get your furnace maintained, they usually leave the sticker, the company, what was done, and the date, and all that. If you show up and it's a twenty-year-old furnace, but you're like, "Hey, but look at—they've been maintaining yeah. it." It puts everybody at ease. Like, you know, yeah. it, you're going to get more life out of this. You just got to maintain it instead of opening that up. It's twenty years old. It's all corroded. It's never been touched. Then the conversation gets a little deeper, right? Mine's twenty-six years. Both are twenty-six years old, and they're probably going to crap out soon. But twice a year, somebody comes out yeah. and takes care of them. It's maintenance, right? Yep. And it puts that, and that's one of the things that, you know, I kind of pride ourselves on too is, you know, it is our job to show up and point out the flaws of the house and the things, but we also point out the good, right? Like, look at how old this furnace is, but they've maintained the heck out of it. You're going to get, you know, a lot of life left out of this. And we, I mean, we've been on inspections. I'm like, holy cow, they've taken meticulous care of this property and you're buying a good product, right? It's not always... Pride a negative conversation, right? Yeah. You got to point out the good. And so how far is your scope of where you will go? I know we've gone all over the map because I, I will be a realtor all over the map, but what's kind of your range of areas you'll go? So we are based out of Schaumburg, which means absolutely nothing. So we'll pretty <laughs> much go as far west as Rockford and then as far east. And like, obviously, this we're in the city a lot I'd say like Alsep area. Okay. But we hit the Naperville, the Aurora's. Work. It's it's a good hour radius, I guess you would say. Yeah. Not including traffic. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> not in traffic because right. it could be an hour to go from here to uh Old Irving. Yes. In a, in a couple in about hours. Ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um I don't think I've ever taken you as far as Rockford, but we've gone I've been there far. a few times, yeah. But that's always good to know for realtors who are watching or homeowners who are watching because I've, I've had people who are like, hey, I got a guy who won't go out of a certain area. And I'm like, well, I got a guy that'll go most areas. Pretty much go everywhere. And with the, you know, the crew on our team um, that make up Spyglass, you know, we don't all live in a certain area. So one of our guys can Jump cover around. something. Yeah. So this is a question that pops up a lot. And I've had it asked of me and I have my opinion of it. Before listing a property, what are your thoughts on getting a home inspection prior to listing? Because I get 
a third of my clients that want a list, should I get a home inspection? Yep. I have a lot of agents really pushing that now lately, and I think it's great. And I'm not saying that because we do the inspections. You're avoiding big surprises, right? You feel like, you know, let's just say a a house has been on the market and it took a long time to get under contract. Everybody's excited. Your client's excited that they're under contract now, and then all of a sudden a big a big deal comes up and it's like oh freaks the buyer out and it could have been avoided right it could have been mold in the attic right some people just don't know how to react to that or the information wasn't delivered to the buyer the proper way it freaks them out right it could have been proactive and got the remediation done it got your furnaces cleaned you know maybe the hot water tank was leaking and they didn't know you know it's many different things i i'd rather be ahead of the game than get hit with a surprise do you see more and more people recently are doing that because i'm seeing that push now in the last six months yeah we've pushed it for the last 10 years but i don't know why the last six months it's been a big hot topic so i'll tell you my like my struggle with it always is because I have my background as an attorney. Right. I tell people, obviously, knowing more about what you can alleviate before you list, the better. Huge. Because nine out of 10 inspectors are going to find all the big ticket stuff. So if you get one done, especially by a good inspector like you guys, you're going to know that, hey, there's going to be no surprises coming up soon. But you have to also know that if you get notice of a major defect, now you have potentially the need to have to disclose that. Correct. So that becomes scary. So what I always tell people is if you're going to do that and a major situation comes up, you now can no longer sweep it under the rug. Sure. You have to fix it because otherwise you got to disclose it. So that's my cautionary tale always is no problem, do it. But right. just know, caution, if you find something, now somebody can pin it on you if you don't disclose it because right. they'll in discovery or through the legal process, know that you've done an inspection prior and then they're going to pin you on it because you hit it. But kind of at the same token, right, is let's just say you don't do it. You get to the inspection oh, yeah. day. You got to fix it anyway. The mold in the attic. You either have to fix it anyway or now that buyer walk. walks and now either you have to fix it or disclose it. So at some point, you're going to have yeah. to face the music. I, I would say this, like if, if somebody went through my home and I, I bought my house from family yes so i didn't do an inspection otherwise i would have found it but if somebody had gone through my home and seen that much mold half my clients would have walked away from it i knew because i've been in the industry this is a solvable thing sure you can solve it but i agree with you if somebody had owned my house and didn't do an inspection somebody walked in and was like i gotta rip the ceiling out right like there's that much of it they would have been like freaks people out see you later they call it the m word right right i mean it freaks everybody out. But I don't get it. It's yeah. it's fixable. Well, the other scary word's the R word, radon. Radon, yeah. Um, I'll let you explain what radon is because it might make some sense for you to explain sure. it to me. Uh, radon, it's a natural gas. It's a uranium that's built up into the ground. It comes into properties through slabs, basements, crawl spaces, cracks in the foundation, sump pumps, and it's the second leading cause of lung cancer in the United States next to smoking. And a radon test is basically a monitor that sits in the home and uh, takes a radioactivity reading uh, level every hour on the hour. It's measured in picoliters. So anything that's 4.0 picoliters or higher, it's a safety issue in the state of Illinois. It needs mitigation. 
And that word scares people, but I always tell people the mitigation is not that costly. And no. once you mitigate it, radon's essentially at a level that's near zero. Correct, correct. And roughly, it's like 1200 1500 bucks. Yeah. But you test for it usually, and you can comment on this, but usually the onus goes back to the so, seller to yeah. take care of the problem. Because if they don't take care of it, they have to then disclose they have radon, and correct. that word now scares the crap out of everybody. Yeah. So it makes sense to just fix it for 1200 bucks rather than scare everybody off. And it's, you know, I think 70% of our clients do the test. It's just a feel good, right? Especially yeah. if you're hanging out in the basement a ton anyway, or little kids. It's just smart. I, I should probably have you come do one in my house. Probably should. I definitely didn't do a radon test. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, like if I'm messed up, I grew up in that house. I messed up no matter what. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. too late, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Whatever damage I got, John, it's Truth. it's here already. Yep. <laughs> I've got oh, head trauma, radon damage, <laughs> tons of stuff. That explains a lot. Yeah, it seems like it does. Well, let me segue a little bit into what you're doing with CBA property management because I think it's really cool. Tell us what you do with CBA and when that started. So, like I said, I've been in the construction field for about 17 years now. CBA has been around for about five. Has it been five? Yeah. Yeah, it's been five. Um, and basically, we buy multi-unit distressed properties um, right now in the Pilsen Little Village area, and we basically gut rehab, rebuild, add on, um, duplex up, duplex down, you name it, um, to pretty much a brand spanking new building. So, and I know you had done, and you mentioned it, a lot of development work in the past, and now you're doing it again. What brought you back to doing it? You know, I always loved, loved, loved it. And we talked about uh, up and down the waves of the market. I got caught in the bad time 07 with a 16 unit building. Um, and I landed up hanging on to that building for a good eight years um, and kind of left a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth to say uh, the least, but there was still something missing. As the years went by after I got the building, I'm like, I just love doing it, you know? So um, with uh, the help of uh, some investors and friends and all that, we kind of got back into it and it's been going strong for a good five years now. Yeah, you guys are kicking butt. And if you're on Facebook or social media, you should probably follow Ryan Spyglass, but also CBA, because what you do really well is these informational videos. And I watch them all the time. I've learned so much from you going on inspections and I, I almost feel like when I go through a home now and I do a showing, yeah. I'm so much more effective as a realtor because of the value add that I've had listening Excellent. to you. Thanks. But on a grand scheme of understanding what it takes to renovate or mm -hmm. flip, your videos are very informational in a good way, but also a cautionary way. It's, yeah. It's a lot of work. It's a ton of work. And some of it's scary work, right? When I mean, yeah. you get to some of these buildings. Oh, yeah, I've gone a couple with you. Yeah, I mean, you're not knowing half of it until you actually get to the demo stage. And, um, you know, some of these buildings, I mean, almost after you started peeling the onion, we probably should have just ripped them down, Yeah, you know? But um, with myself and our crews that, you know, were capable of uh, putting them back to um, livable, rehabable places for respectable amounts of money. Yeah, and you know what I think you do really well on the flips and, and your team does is you understand because you do the inspections 
what it's going to take to, to build a home or renovate a home that is livable, nice, but also obviously up to code and with sure. plans and permits, but that will not have inspection related issues. You're, you've built a home now that passes your sniff yep. test yep. if you were doing the inspection. And that's the thing too, right? We don't cut any corners. We come from construction. Uh, it's I always look at it as, is there ways to cut corners and make things cheaper? Absolutely. But we're building a name. We're building a reputation. And I always I have three boys now. And I always say to myself, would I want my son to buy this, right? It's great. No, we need it. to make this. We'll go the extra mile. We'll put the better material in just for the end-all guy who buys it. And you touched on how you guys build from ground up and you do some you buy some stuff that really needs help. And actually one of my another one of my favorite real estate stories, John, you might appreciate this one. One time um myself, uh Ryan and Lawrence decided to go um to view some properties that needed some work. And we visit this property and there's this property manager guy that's taking us through these properties and we're stepping over like like tons of garbage and it's the place is a mess. And I was not dressed for the occasion. I was in a suit. So I'm like... And Lawrence was in flip-flops. Flip-flops. <laughs> he's stepping over like glass and stuff. So we're stepping through this. And this property manager is like very high energy. And he's like, yeah, I had to chase the other day a bunch of like uh, squatters out of here that were homeless. And they were meth addicts. They were doing drugs in here. And I'm just like, what if they're back? We're like walking from room to room. And I'm like, send Lawrence ahead. Yeah, right. I'll stay back here in case some crazy... Dude with a needle comes running around the corner and we get to a room and there's like splatter on the wall. Oh, and yeah. you didn't buy this one, but no. there's no. the guy's like, you know what that is? And I'm like, I don't really want to know. He's like, well, it's blood splatter from like the, yeah. the like guys like shooting up. And I'm like, oh, oh Jesus. And I was like, get me. I'm like oh, literally in like a nice suit. I come from court and I was like, uh, let's get it. Well, you didn't buy that one. No, just we did not. But left there. But you really do have like an interesting day-to-day trying to seek out property yeah. endeavor. And how do you do that? How do like when you're looking around and I'm going to segue this into what somebody should or should not do as a real estate investor, what are you looking for? Man, there's so much that goes into it, right? So obviously it's all about numbers and what you feel after walking that property and really knowing i think we've had this conversation before if you're just getting into this be extremely careful and start extremely small because you need to know numbers and when you're putting your numbers together if it's you doing it or if it's your contractor doing it always put on at least another 10 to 15 percent for mm -hmm. the uh-oh moments right but I try to look for it. I've bought a lot of frame buildings too, but I try to stick with brick and mortar if at all possible, right? Okay. But um, foundations, I'm looking at crazy amounts of foundations to see if it's stone, is it crumbling? I might have to underpin a building. And we've bought a lot of buildings that we've had to underpin, but we know that going into it and we've budgeted for it. So, you know, I... I I think we've had many conversations about it and hear many horror stories of people getting into it thinking they've watched uh, HGTV. HGTV going, oh, I can do this. It only costs five grand to remodel a bathroom. And it's yeah. so deceiving and people really buy into this. And then all of a sudden they're like, "What? Do you, it's 20 grand for a bathroom? Obviously, I'm just using that for an example, but 
you got to educate yourself. Yeah. And uh, if you're going to get into it and you want to turn this into a full-time gig, start with somebody that's done it already. Uh, because, I mean, I have seen it destroy people's lives. Yeah. I mean, really have. You hit the nail on the head with something that... I say to anybody who comes to me and says, I want to be a real estate investor, because a lot of times they don't know what kind they want to be. Mm -hmm. There's really two kinds. One who's going to buy, acquire, flip properties, or somebody who's going to buy and hold properties. Sure. Now, there's tons of ways you can flip certain properties, tons of ways you can buy, hold, and rent stuff out. Yeah. But, and I'd say, what kind do you want to be? And I'd say half to 75% are like, I want to flip properties because they've watched HGTV and they think it's fun and they see flip or flop. And by the way, those two got divorced having to work together. So right. <laughs> it's not as easy as you think, but there's like a glamorous, like cool factor to doing it. Oh, I'm flipping properties. But that's why I said, watch Ryan's videos. If you don't know the word underpinning or what that means, you probably shouldn't start right. flipping properties because you do have to go on a very small scale. And this is just me talking about the market right now in general, things are expensive to acquire, materials are expensive, labor is expensive. So on a small scale, your profit margins are so small that even if you goof up by 10%, there, there goes everything. You don't have a profit, you have right. a loss. So I tell somebody, you cannot, so if like John or I have no knowledge on being a uh, somebody who flips, sure. we can't just go buy a place, say, oh, I'm going to go hire a roofer, I'm going to go hire a window person, I'm going to go hire a flooring guy, a paint guy, this, that, because your profits are going to get swallowed mm -hmm. somewhere inside there, and you're going to be slow, you're going to be ineffective. So either team up with somebody who knows what they're doing, like you guys, or um, maybe think of buying and holding, because that is an investment opportunity that your risk is a lot lower, you're buying something, and there's varieties of different things you can buy. And a uh, self-shout out to John and I's new show with Lawrence. You can catch the Alpha Market Show, and we'll teach you a little bit about that. But buy and hold. <laughs> plug. Shameless plug, because we can do that. <laughs> but learn that. Go that route. Once you've experienced that, and you understand what a building and having a building and the nuances of a building are like, then maybe in a different market, sidestep into flipping properties is my recommendation. I agree. And kind of going back to get like starting with a multi-unit or something, I would say once or twice a quarter, we're getting hit by somebody that tried to do this and is stuck. They're way in over their head. Mm -hmm. They've already spent way too much money. And now they got a building that's just demoed. And they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, out, of money. I, I, I'm out of money. I need to sell it. Yeah, and I think it's, uh, and I get that probably more than once a quarter on the legal side or somebody just calls me knowing that I'm in real estate and says, hey, I'm stuck in a bad spot here. Yep. What do you recommend I do? And I'm like, hey, you should have called me before you did right. this, but let's see what we can do. And typically the answer is you have to spend a lot of money to get recoup as much as you can. So I agree with you. Don't watch HGTV and think that it's the cool, sexy no. thing to do. It is the cool, sexy thing to do, but you could lose a whole lot of money doing it. Yeah, and you've heard plenty of stories of that, and so have I, right? Yeah, and it's you got to know where your market is. You, like, you, you made a good point. You said, right now I'm focusing on Pilsen and Little Village, and you know what you're looking at. You know your market. You know how to navigate the process of getting permits and all that good jazz, yep. although cumbersome here in Chicago. <laughs> you understand your market. You're not jumping around from one property here, one in Rockford, then going to Joliet thing. And even as an experienced person, you're not doing no, that. No, and I keep all my guys um, – right next door to each other, right? So it's easy to get stuff done. If we need a helping hand, we're only a block away. So yeah, I 
would not, if you're going to get involved, do not do a property in Chicago and one in Rockford. You'll drive yourself nuts. How many projects are you working on now? Right now, we currently have eight. Phew. Yeah. That's a lot. And they're eight to two-unit plus? Yeah. So our largest is um, four units up top with 5,000 square foot commercial space on the bottom. And then our smallest right now is a two-flat with a duplex down. So... Eight projects, but lots of units. Yes. So yes. That's, that's when you when you hear eight projects, sometimes it could be eight condos, but you guys are talking yeah, we're thirty talking. some odd units. Correct. That's a lot of work. And when you mix that in with <laughs> the spyglass inspection side of stuff, you are all over the damn map. We How are. do you manage your time? Because you your driving range is huge. It is. It's nuts. Well, once again, right, kind of going back to Spyglass, it's not just me. Right. Right. So we got a good staff uh, on board there. With CBA, I have unbelievable staffing there, great project manager there. So, you know, I can't be everywhere at once and still have three boys and a wife, right? Or right. else <laughs> I would be divorced. And you're an involved dad. Yes. You coach a lot of teams. Coach a lot of uh, my boys' teams, yeah. It's fun. What are you coaching? Right now I'm coaching football with yeah. my middle boy, Brady, and uh, we're having a blast, man. It's my fifth, fifth year doing it with him. Yeah, it's what year is he in now playing football? He is in fifth grade. Okay. Yeah. So they're about to get – well, I'm sure they're competitive, but they're about to get real competitive. They're good. They they have a really good team this year. I know it's peewee football, but they, um, they uh, have only lost one game. Can you tackle at fifth grade? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? It's full-blown. Full-blown tackle. Holy smokes. Yeah. John left me a love note on a, uh, on a whiteboard over there asking me to rem- have you remind us what Spyglass's website is. Oh, uh, www.spyglassinspections.net. Got that. And I will, if anybody ever um, needs Ryan's contact information outside of this, reach out to me. We can put it in the comment section. We won't give your cell phone number out to everybody. But um, (laughs) no, I, I really do. I do recommend any realtor, new or experienced, if you have space for somebody else to work with, they gotta get, they gotta give you a buzz. Going back to kind of CBA and being a real estate investor, you yourself, I'm guessing now, are a real estate investor and understand yes. the importance of that. Yes. Is that something you always wanted to do and that's why you got into the development side? Was that just, I think I'm going to get wealthy investing in real estate? No, it's interesting is when I was in my early 20s, I think it was, no, somewhere around there, irrelevant, uh, but a family friend... Um, would buy large apartment buildings and hang on to them. And he was finally up at one point of like over 800 units. It was insane. And I got to kind of get educated by him. And uh, I did a little bit of work for him for a while. And I was really enthralled by the whole concept of it. And that's where I slowly began my career with a, a single family home. And then it just kept on escalating until I got stuck with that 16 unit building. Well, you got stuck and then the market, I mean, buying an 07. Yeah, it was, that was a rough ride, but I just had such a passion for it. And, you know, if you watch any of our videos or go to our websites to see what we buy and what we transform them into and with being a good product, it's awesome. There's no better feeling 
to see what you did to a property. And what's CBA's website? Because you do have a lot of before and after photos. Yeah, uh, cbamgmt.com. cbamgmt.com. Yeah, there's a lot of and I CBA property on <laughs> You're gonna I send you're gonna send somebody. We can put it in the comment <laughs> we'll section. You're up. gonna I'll, I'll you're gonna send up. somebody to some <laughs> random spam site yeah. right now. But you know, there is really a nice set of properties that show what they look like when you bought them, what they were like afterwards. And I think anybody who's either looking to purchase properties like this should check it out. Or if you're really interested and you're like, Mo, forget what you just said, your advice means Nothing to me. I want to be that HGTV guy. I want to do this. I I really suggest you go take a look at what it takes to take a property that needs a lot of work to the finished product. And I truly believe that if you're going to be somebody flipping, right now the profit margin is in doing bigger jobs. But the risk level is obviously exponentially higher. Yes, yes. Very high risk. And one thing I think, you guys do a lot of things right, but one thing I think your flips do really, really well is they make it so that each unit, and I've noticed this in yours, every single tenant really has all their own utility. So you've basically taken away from landlord um, responsibilities too much entryways, too much utilities, too much common area electric. You've made it so people have their own entrances, their own washer dryers, that they're separately metered. So when the landlord purchases the building, his tenant can cover most of his utilities and his net operating income in his pocket goes up. It does. We've tried to produce pretty much a self-management, don't need a management company. Not a lot of work goes into this. Like like you said, all of our gas meters are on the outside. You don't need somebody to let them into a room. Everybody has their own entrance. Um, our backyards are pea gravel, right? So it's dog friendly. They're not killing grass. You're not worried about cutting grass. Um, the list goes on and on. In in a house, washer and dryer, there is really no common areas that need to be maintained, clean, vacuumed. That's on the individual tenant. So we've gotten great feedback from the end all buyer that this is all, this is maintenance free. Yeah, that means so much. And I think a lot of people, when you're looking at real estate investment properties they don't give enough credit to buildings that take that piece of maintenance out of the landlord's hand. Mm -hmm. A, you make more money, but B, something you touched on, you don't necessarily have to then go hire a property manager. You can, for those of you watching, if, if you're thinking of getting into this, a property manager, somebody you hire to manage the property. So when there's a problem at the property, you're calling them. If you know they need to schedule somebody to go out and mow the lawn, they're handling that. Sure. They're taking care of that stuff. Not only are your properties new, so most of the stuff has no issues for the next 20, 25 years. Correct. Uh, so you don't really need a property manager, but you've minimized how much interaction that landlord is going to have to continuously have with the homeowner. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm not saying not to get a property manager at all, um, but they are pretty maintenance-free. Our buildings are anyway, and you can easily manage it yourself. And people ask, this question pops up a lot for me, is when should I get a property manager? And that is different depending on who you are. It's like when a realtor or a business owner says, when should I get an assistant? Well, people have different pain (laughs) thresholds, so it's different. 
I think it depends on the property you buy. It depends on your level of free time, obviously. If you're a busy guy who works 80 hours a week, you might not have the stomach for more than one building, even if it's very minimal management. So I think it depends on who you are. Yeah. But I think if you have somewhere between four to 10 units, Get a and they're in, <laughs> if you start to get past that yeah. number, you might want to then get property manager. If you have two buildings that are smaller, I think you're fine. Once you start to get multiple buildings, it make your time has a value to it. Absolutely. And having somebody else take care of that then starts to make some sense. I think I you've said something extremely important. It's your threshold, but also if you're working an eighty hour work week and you're not getting back to your tenants, now you're all Pissing now you off. got a whole nother problem on your hand, right? So you especially in Chicago. Able, yeah. You gotta be able to get back and respond to people. So maybe a property manager is right up your alley. It, yeah. Case by case, right? And if you need them, we know some. But you, you've touched a couple times on and you've given credit to your team. I think one of the things that your group does really well is you have a really good team in place that allows the people who need to do the things they need to do to get the property to the finish line effectively yeah. do a really good job of doing that. They do, you know. I mean, there's always bumps along the road, but I think we've overcome a lot of those in the years that we've been doing this. And don't get me wrong, it's not uh, no problems happening. Yeah. I mean, there's always something happening on a daily basis, but you're 100% correct. We have a good team in place that um, doesn't necessarily need their hand help every single moment of the day. So you are very go, go, go from very early in the morning to whenever you have to now go and coach, which yep. is sometimes in the late afternoon, early evenings. Yep. Are you kind of an early riser? It depends on the time of year, but yeah, yeah. I'm usually up pretty early. I try to get uh, my day situated. I try to get the workout in in the morning before the day starts because if I try to get it done in the middle of the day, it usually does not happen. Right. Um, but yeah, I'd say I'm, I'm a pretty early riser and... Uh, we pretty much start all from, gosh, 6 in the morning till 10, 11 at night. I give you a lot of props already on the show, but one more other thing I'm going to add is you're at inspections early, which I appreciate. I'm a, I'm always five minutes late to everything. Right. John's going to chuck. He's like, five. He's like, oh, like 10. <laughs> but I try to get to my inspections relatively on time. What's really nice is I being back to back to back with a lot of what I do when I'm done with the inspection, I have to go somewhere else typically mm -hmm. right away. You've already knocked out usually the exterior. You get there ahead of time. You've taken a look at the stuff that doesn't require me or an agent to get you in. And then you go over that. So yeah. you're always early, which a lot of people are not. They just show up at the same time. And now they're starting the outside and I'm inside and the buyer, like we said, is nervous. And that takes extra half hour, 40 minutes. It's all about flow, right? I mean, you always hear the comment, if you're five minutes late or early or late, whatever that saying is. <laughs> but uh, it, our motto is, if you're not a half hour early, you're already late. Okay. That outside needs to be done. I, I don't live by that motto personally. <laughs> but it kind of, it's because we're working right. to make it the yes, most smoothest yes, trans uh, transition possible for everybody. My motto is if you're five minutes late, you're on right. time. <laughs> Listen, I, my thing is uh, you drive a lot. You probably drive more than I do, but I log about 30,000 miles a year. Mm -hmm. So if you have a packed day and you have about 30,000 miles of driving to do a year, I am stuck at a light at now, by the way, when I lived in the city, I'd never had railroad track headaches. 
there's a couple times recently where I'm in the suburbs. I'm like, maybe I hate the suburbs driving more than the city. Because <laughs> you get stuck at a cargo train, and you're like, oh, well, shit. Right. There's 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Right. And I'm barely on time ever. <laughs> I hate cargo trains. But I really do appreciate that you're always early. And not just you, your staff is always early. And the exteriors are always done yeah. every single time. So when Ryan's not running from... CBA to spyglass to football practices. What do you guys do when you're just relaxing? R and R, family and friends, right? I mean, for how much we're running, and and once you get that Saturday, if it well, if the stars align and you can hang out with fam, family and friends, it, it's awesome. And uh, we're upon a huge season for my boys uh, lacrosse. We've had many talks about uh, sports, but I just love the lacrosse season. I love just seeing them out on the lacrosse field. It's something about it. They travel for lacrosse quite a bit, right? Quite a bit, yeah. Lacrosse is a funny sport because I played it in high school um, just a bit. And when I started in high school, and this was, I started high school in 98. That really, that pains me to say 21 years ago. (laughs) John was 61 years ago. I'm not going to say mine. (laughs) But lacrosse was just, and, and you, John, this actually might be a good question for John. Did you have lacrosse growing up? Was that even a sport they played in high school? It was a sport. It wasn't as big as it is now. Like even, even when I was in high school, very few teams, very few schools had, had a lacrosse one. team. Yeah. We would have to travel a bit to play. Now, I grew up in Northbrook, so some of the North Shore teams sure. had them. But some of the rest of the schools didn't have them. Oh. Now it's popular. It's huge. Huge. It is the fastest growing sport right now. Really? Yeah. It's absolutely nuts. And, I mean, these there's so many kids that, unfortunately, I love baseball too, but are leaving baseball to go play lacrosse just for the action behind it. So my mom watches the show, and she's going to – She's going to hear this and be like, I knew you did this to me. My mom didn't let me play football growing up. Okay. And when I was in high school, I broke the world bench press record and I was pretty fast. And my gym coaches were football coaches and they all were not thrilled that I wouldn't play football because my mom was like, she was like the water boy mom. She's like, no foosball for you. I just couldn't play. So lacrosse was basically, and I played long stick midi, so you can't hit. I wasn't very good at lacrosse, but First time my mom came to lacrosse, she's like, wait a second. She's like, you guys hit, and this is like hockey, but football mixed in, but you have a stick. Right. Just no uh, skates, right? She had no idea what it was. She said, lacrosse? What the hell is lacrosse? Right. But it's a pretty physical sport. Oh, it can be extremely physical. It's it, fun. I love it. It's it's so much fun. And my boys, you're 100% are correct. Uh, they do travel a lot for it. Um, you go out to the East Coast and play these kids. It's insane. They're really good. Oh, it's crazy. Shout out to Brad McCall, who's uh, the head uh, and the lead of the racing team that I race with right now. His daughter's team from Florida just won the national championship. And girls lacrosse? Yeah. Oh, wow. They took it That's really impressive. seriously. Yeah, they're very good. And I've had this discussion with Brad about how big it's gotten. Obviously, yeah. East Coast, it's been very popular. Sure. But even in Florida, it's it's really hot. It's overtaking. It's it's insane. Midwest, West, it's everywhere. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. I wish I played it. Do, but you coach? Do you coach it now? No, I do not. Oh, you don't. No. So it's football. You coach just and football. baseball. Yeah, just a spectator. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I'm guessing when you grew up, which was way before when John grew up, <laughs> they still weren't. They still weren't playing no. lacrosse at all. No. 
I wish it was around. John's going to get me back soon here. <laughs> well, you just said basically that he's a hell of a lot older than I am. Because you said yeah, you when did. you grew up, which is way before when John Oh, no, up. way after. I goofed that up. <laughs> I'll let it go, Mo. So, Ryan. Way, yeah. way after. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. you're going to insult somebody, yeah, at least make sure right. you insult the right person. Uh, it's yeah. not my Goodness, show. So They've got a guess he's walking out. No, yeah, no, no, no. I goofed that up. I meant. Well, age is setting in for you, too. You're what, 42? I'm 35. I feel Please. like I'm 62. <laughs> I really do feel like I'm 62. It's hit me like a, I have a rotator cuff injury now, and I can't do You're always nothing. hurt. I'm always He's hurt. He's always hurt. My problem is, and we, John and I have discussed this a couple times on the show, I'm bad at yo-yoing. So like, I'll get in shape, and then I'm out of shape, and then I'm in shape. and That is not good, and it's not no. consistent. John beat me in the weight loss challenge that we did. Did and you? Yeah, he's... Mm-hmm. Huh. He's nice. literally one of the only people that ever beats yeah, me. Yeah, usually because you, you see that. me, you yeah. see me throughout the phases when I'm at inspections, and Ryan sees me. I've got my water jug, and I'm yeah. like yep. trimming yep. down. He beat me, nice. and uh, he's a very John's a very competitive guy, and uh, good for him for beating me. But he's done a far better job of maintaining his shape than I have. Yeah. That's tough. Well, yeah. I mean, you run a crazy day every day too. It's tough. Not a good excuse though. No, but it's you got to just find that. That pattern, you find it, but you always fall off of it. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the crappy thing is I'm, I'm livid in extremes. Yeah. So if you tell me, hey, in eight weeks you got to do something, I will die trying to do it. The triathlon. The triathlon. That was, that was impressive. A stupid idea. That was Lawrence's idea. <laughs> and he pawns that off as mine. He said it on my birthday. He goes. Buddy, I think that was your idea. I'm like, listen to me. <laughs> never, never, ever. Did I lay down in Tahiti and perk <laughs> up and say, hey, I think it'd be a great idea to jump off of Alcatraz, swim to shore, and do a triathlon? You guys are nuts. The yeah, guy yeah. who runs marathons every other weekend and does triathlons every other weekend, that's something normally he would come up with. Not me. No. It's impressive what he does, though. That's nuts. He's, he's a superhero. Yes, he is. He's just nuts. But I definitely wasn't my ideal, although he pawns it off as my ideal all the time. He's like, buddy, you came up with that. I'm like, no, there's no way I, I did. I could not. I hear you talk all the time, every single week. I could not see or hear those words falling out of your mouth. Right. It just you guys doesn't, sound like, doesn't sound like you. <laughs> Do you think I'm laying on a beach on vacation and then all of a sudden I'm like, hey, you know, I have a bright idea. Right. <laughs> I'm a terrible swimmer. I got short running legs. And I have a bike that I haven't rode in 12 years. But here's a bright idea. Here's what we're going to do. Let's not just do the Chicago triathlon. No. Right. Let's do the Alcatraz. How much tequila you had in you. It was early in the day, not enough tequila. But that's true. If you you infuse me with enough tequila, I might come up with another Uh idea. Well, it was actually, Ryan was at the wedding, that wedding and that that trip. And we we really had a blast in Tahiti. That was fun. I was going to ask you what one of your favorite vacation spots is because I always do that. But I'm guessing I'm... that's hands down. Probably I mean, Tahiti. you can't compare anything to that. It, the beauty was, and I've never been to Hawaii. I'm going to go soon because shout out to John too. He's, is that vacation package still available? It is. There's a vacation package that you can get. Here's another okay. uh, shameless plug mm-hmm. uh, through Hilton Grand Vacations for 699 bucks for six nights in Hawaii. And that's not per person. That is for four people. And you can get it for eight ninety nine for nine ninety nine nine ninety nine two bedroom six people full suite up to eight people up to eight people yep. wow that's impressive yeah, it's really inexpensive <laughs> that's so, really cool it's a crazy deal so I might have to go to Hawaii but everybody compared Hawaii to Tahiti as a Hawaii on steroids oh, yeah I've been to Hawaii and 
Tahiti kicked its butt. Although the flight sucks. That part was miserable, but everything else, it made worthwhile. Yeah. Right? I think you and I both had a really bad experience flying there and back. Yeah, we did. I mean, we had a great experience there. Yes. But flying there and back was tough. It's a long flight. Don't take Air Tahiti if you go. It's a coach bus with wings on it. (laughs) (laughs) It literally is. And they're the nicest people. They are. Tahitians are like... um, uh, they're almost Samoan looking, you know, and they're yeah. very friendly culture. And you get on, and the first thing I asked is, uh, and the travel agent that helped me out was a <laughs> dirty liar because she told me it was new planes and these are great. And I get on, and the first thing I no ask Wi-Fi. is, it's nine hours. So I said, hey, I'm going to get some work done. Uh, who's your Wi-Fi provider? Sir, we have no Wi-Fi. These are old planes. <laughs> when we get new planes, we get Wi-Fi. And I was like, wait, what, do you, what did you just say to me? Right. There's no Wi-Fi at all? No. And I get in, and the seat is just narrow enough to fit your body. Yeah, I, feel, I don't remember. I was sick flying out there. Yeah. And it was a massive airplane. Yeah, huge. I was lucky enough to be surrounded by the partiers. That mm. This was... What was that? My flight was like 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. And these guys stayed up and drank and had their lights on till like 4 in the morning. Well, I had a woman next to me that was afraid of flying. Oh, geez. She was, <laughs> That's right. She was like, uh, a, Tahitians, are, like Samoans, are big people. Oh, gosh. I'm not saying fat. They're just big. No, just like they're big. like the rock. Yeah. Like, even the women are big. Most of them were big. So she's sitting next to me. She's basically filling into my seat. And every time, and every time the plane hit any turbulence, like the middle, or Tahiti would hate this, but the middle, like, um, what is it, the luggage compartment up top? Is that yeah. what they call it? Yeah. Every time it would hit turbulence, it would just shake violently <laughs> above you, and she would freak out and she would pray. But her praying meant she would throw her hands up like this into my seat, so like her arm is like across That's my right. chest, <laughs> and I'm looking at her like. Christ, stop it! I'm here. I'm here, <laughs> but she me, was right? deathly afraid of flying. She was in no, my seat. Nuts. So finally, I got up, and the plane was huge. So me, Lawrence, and Lawrence's dad just stood up for about two and a half hours wow. in between where they were taking the food and stuff. Oh, you and guys just, are on the same flight. We're on the same flight. I didn't know that. So we just hung out for two and a half hours, just standing and talking. I think the flight attendants were like, "You guys probably need to go back to the seat," <laughs> right. but they just kind of let us stand there. Right. But it was uh, don't fly Air Tahiti. Yeah, but beautiful. You should go. Because you get but not uh, Air Tahiti. No, because you can fly out of San Francisco now using say. United or American or oh, okay. some big company. It's cool. the it's the uh, travel planner that booked us on a flight that I'm guessing she probably got bigger perks. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I don't know how that whole world works. I just made a very loose guesstimate as to what travel agents do, but that. So after that. this, I'm assuming Air Tahiti will not be a sponsor of our show. Of Wheelhouse, soon. if they're listening currently <laughs> right now, definitely not. We do have a comment from Lawrence. It won't let me press to see more. Oh, did. Great show, guys, but I still maintain that you wanted a, quote, hard goal and recommend Alcatraz to motivate you. <laughs> and recommended Alcatraz triathlon to motivate you. No, I didn't. There's no way. You're a liar, LD. <laughs> We have no video evidence. There is not a single person that has ever heard the story that believes that I came. I honestly, I don't believe it either. So, no. and I didn't drink that much tequila the first two days. It was towards the first the two. Of, <laughs> yeah, the first towards two. the end of the trip that <laughs> starts I, building up. Right? right. Well, I was there by myself. Oh. So how Tahiti works? No, no. So the island of Morea has no bars. So I had a blast because obviously we had a lot of people that I was very close to there. But I got there and the island of Morea, which is a ferry ride away from Tahiti. Mm-hmm. They outlawed bars, and this is, and I'm paraphrasing something that 
the guy who drove the golf cart to get me from <laughs> the front desk to my room told me. He basically said that in, there was a lot of fights. Like, I guess it's like a fighting culture, almost like Simone's in a way. Yeah. And there was a lot of fights at local bars. So tourism was being affected. Hmm. And that island, because you can have bars in Tahiti, but the island of Morea outlawed bars. So there was no way, and I was by myself, and these hotels have these over-the-water bungalows. Hmm. So at about 10 p.m., everybody else's couples, they go to sleep. Right. I am by myself, <laughs> just hanging out, which ended up being a blast. I was reading a book, and yeah. I had a ton of fun, but there was not much to do. So as the week went on, my tequila consumption increased itself dramatically <laughs> to not only keep myself entertained, but everybody else. Right, uh, okay. and that you did. We saw a lot of sharks. There was a night, and I don't yeah. know if you saw it on Facebook, where I'd had one too many tequila shots, and we saw sharks at night yeah. in the water. And I had gone scuba diving already with sharks, so I had, I don't know why I had this sense of like comfort around sharks, temporarily. Temporarily, mm-hmm. yeah. So I jumped in and tried to go GoPro them at night, the sharks, to You're catch nuts. up to where they were. And then somebody who was working there yelled at me, they feed at night. And I was like, oh, oh. shit. <laughs> like, These that's sharks, why they're here. That's why they're here. I was like, and they were near the restaurant area. So my assumption was people were throwing food in there for them to well, eat. it didn't help every night. I was taking food back, throwing it in to get the sharks. Ryan was, there you go. Ryan was chumming exactly the water right. for them exactly. to eat me at night. You remember the video? I had a big, big. like a six-foot sand shark come right up to the uh, the Holy dock. shit. Yeah. Because yeah, cool. you would jump off. Have you ever done like one of those bungalow deals? Right, I you know what get yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. So it's cool because you just go off of a set of stairs, mm-hmm. and especially in Tahiti, the oh, coral is insane. Beautiful. So in the morning, I'm not a big breakfast guy, but I would take, I would try to have breakfast, but I would take all the bread I could, like a <laughs> weird hoarder. I was like taking as much of it as I could like fit in my hands, right? And then I would go and jump in the water, yep. and I would hold out bread, and you'd have fish, and I have a f- video on Instagram of all these fish just trying to eat out that of your hands. Crazy. But it was, it was insane. It was right outside of your bedroom. Which is cool. so cool. And Very then sharks good. would come up. Well, that one day, that was cool when we did that. Yeah. So, um, oh, swimming with the sharks in the stingray. That was crazy. Yeah, that was very, very cool. So Tahiti is your favorite? Yes, by far. By and far. Um, Used to be Aruba, but now Tahiti. I've never been to Aruba. Aruba's great. John, you got a deal for Aruba? I have not. I haven't been there either. I've heard good things. I want to go uh, Aruba and uh, just one other. It'll come to me. But Aruba. Grand Cayman? Aruba's yeah, great. Thank you. Thank yeah, you, yeah. Big Grand, fan. Grand Cayman is, um, if you've ever been there, and I stopped on a cruise there one time, yeah. mm-hmm. it's crazy the amount of wealth. So, like, Bill Gates has a house. Sylvester Stallone's house is next to Bill Gates. Mm-hmm. And you drive mm-hmm. out, really? like, on a boat, and you see these just massive compounds on the water wow. with these, I mean, I don't know, they're probably $30 million houses yeah, out there. Pieces. And it was funny because uh, the guide was telling us whose homes that was, they were. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they're like, oh, that one's Bill Gates's. And I was like, wait, somebody's got a bigger house than Bill Gates? And it was Stallone. Stallone no built a bigger house in Grand Cayman than Gates. That's had. nuts. Wow. Which is kind of cool. That's yeah. crazy. Good crazy. Old Rocky. Adrian. Adrian. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having Actually, me. Actually, let me, I missed it because John, John's going to look at me and say, you missed it. I need a tip for entrepreneurs. Oh. Ooh, my boy. tip is stop this. him in his tracks. No, I, I think my tip is if you have a goal or a dream that you want to go after, after set those goals, make them high goals, but be realistic, and adjust those goals along the way. 
so you don't so you can keep on making yourself better on a regular basis but also not get depleted you know what i mean mm-hmm. there's so many times a perfect example of mine is my 16 unit building right i mean that was a huge depletion for me at one time right but i had all my goals set and got back up and built them so i guess my biggest thing for an entrepreneur is prepare yourself for failure but make sure you can bounce back up love that very that's good. great yeah, advice. I like that. And you phrase it, we've had a lot of goal advice, but nobody's put it like that before because I agree. I think you have to be realistic with yourself. You know, a lot of times I'm coaching and training and I get somebody that comes in and I never tell people what their goals should be because who am I to tell somebody what their sure. goals should be, mm-hmm. right? But sometimes people will come in and they've been in the business for three weeks and they put this goal out there and I'm like, mm. I'll break it down for you. Right. I'll tell you what you got to <laughs> do to get there. Right. And it's great to think big, but think reasonable. Can't be realistic. And then also don't think too small. Right. I get the opposite that happens all the time. I had a realtor I recently spoke to and I was coaching and training and they came to me and they had a goal for themselves. And I was like, shoot bigger, my man. Yeah. You can do better than that. So you, you got to really, challenge yourself. Yeah. Right? I mean, but like you said, better yourself. Something yeah. that's going to better yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's so it's really good advice. And uh, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me, I, uh, The hour... A little more than an hour flew by. Has it been an hour? Yeah, over now. Yeah, a little wow, a little little more than that. If you guys are looking for a inspector, I highly, highly recommend. You've you've heard me kind of gloat all show long about how amazing Ryan has been, and I don't I don't just mean it because he's a friend of mine. I take my business very seriously. I, I just genuinely think you're the best at it. Thank you. And your ability to effectively, like we said, go through an inspection, find something that is right or wrong and voice that to the person in the right manner in the calming manner is almost unlike anybody else I've ever seen in the business. And I mean, thank that. you. So thank you. Very appreciate much. you coming on and check out CBA property management. I just want to real quick, I'm going to throw it up there. So uh, when we asked about the website for CBA, it is in fact, CBA property management, MGMT.com. So I've got it up on the screen. Thank you. I left You're the property welcome. on there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah absolutely. We're going to have to, Go on and actually try to go to the other website and see if it takes us someplace mad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in the, in the meantime, uh, so next week, we have a gentleman named Christopher Bowles, and he is with the American Cancer Society. Uh, Maggie, and I, Maggie and I were out one night, and we started talking with him. He was doing uh, some fundraising work, and a uh, real nice guy. Just started talking with him, and he... Uh, does a lot, has a lot of people that uh, run the marathon and raise money for ACS. And so made mention about the show, and he and I kept in contact. Um, the marathon is a week from Sunday. So I said, hey, it'd be great to have you on the Wednesday prior. And so not only are we doing that, but uh, he, he and I, through the course of time and conversations, uh, I said, do you have anybody who's going to be running and he said, we have several, and talked about the entrepreneurial spirit and C-suite executive experience. And uh, so we have Meg, I, I hope I don't butcher this, Meg Luthen. Uh, she is with United Healthcare. She is a very, very established runner. Uh, she can tell you about some of the things that she's done in her past, but she's going to be raising a lot of money uh, for ACS. So it's going to be a very marathon and ACS American Cancer Society focused show. It's awesome. gonna be it's 
I'm excited to try to get some people to raise some money. We, we've done a good job we collectively, have. you and I, when we have people on with charities I to believe, try yeah. within the show to raise some money. So next week when you guys tune in, it's obviously going to be for an incredible cause. Oh, absolutely. There's not a single person that is probably listening that at some point doesn't know somebody who's exactly. dealt with cancer. Exactly. So I know the American Cancer Society and I think the American Heart Association are the two largest mm-hmm. medical associations out there. So. Correct. I, uh, I'm excited to chat with him and also feel very out of shape when I have to talk to people running, I, running the know. marathon a week later. <laughs> Thanks, I buddy. Have, <laughs> uh, I have friends that are running it, and that's running has just never been a thing of mine. I, I'll do a lot of different stuff, stairs and everything, but I much respect to these people, and Maggie's a great runner. She's not running the marathon, but she can run mile after mile. That's just not me. I can run mile after mile till about five. Wow. miles <laughs> and then that's it, you know what that's i have a couple friends running at michael in our office who is uh new with us he's running it and he mm-hmm. just started training for it but he is oh. an athletic oh, wow, freak. Really? he's like yeah i haven't been running but i'm running a marathon to help a friend of his yeah who's oh, running right. it like running with yeah. him yeah. And i'm like wait you're not training he's like no i'm gonna start like now and i was like has he ever ran one before i don't think so i don't know he, he's an athletic model. yeah yeah he's a he's a gifted athlete as himself okay and he's young and in great shape but i say this all the time when people talk about running a marathon i'm like do you know the first person who did it fell to his death when he got to distance? It was to announce that the Battle of Marathon was happening. So he realized that like yeah. the war was coming, ran 26.2 miles. Where he dropped dead, they <laughs> measured that distance to where he started, <laughs> and that's true. a marathon. Yep. So that's if, crazy. generally speaking, somebody who's running to warn someone of impeding death and harm <laughs> would fall to their death running that distance, it's not a distance I really want to it's try to run. Nuts. It is not. I also have very short legs, so I, in my head, told myself <laughs> that it makes it so that I have to run even longer, more steps. You have to take two steps for every yeah. normal right. person's one step. Yeah, like so for like me and you. running 52 miles. Exactly. <laughs> so all I got to do is run a half marathon, and then I can Boom, put a sticker on the yeah. back of my car that says... I love it. <laughs> the other day, I had an Instagram post before we go where I... There was somebody that had a 13 point, uh, what is it, 2 and then 26.4? Yeah. 13.1, 26.2. 26.2. They had both stickers on the back of their car. So I made an Instagram like uh, story post that said, gee, we know you're a runner, relax or something. (laughs) And I got hate inbox messages from runners. They're like, well, they're just like talking about their accomplishments and don't poo poo their accomplishments. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. You're a big poo-pooer. Yeah. I was like, I'm just, they didn't use those words. Those are mine, but Uh don't shit on other people's accomplishments. More like it, but to all you runners who are running it, kudos to you because that is not an easy task. I concur 100%. I'm going to put that graphic back up with Christopher Bowles and Meg Luthen as our guest for next week. Fantastic. That that is all I have. Me too. about you, sir? That's it. We'll see you next week, uh, Wednesday at 3 o'clock. I'm excited. In three, two, one.